You're listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast, where we explore the connection between a fit body and positive mental health. And our big mission, it's to help 10,000 runners to develop fitter minds in the next two years. I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. Welcome to this episode of the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast. Today, we speak to Alwyn McMahon, and she wants us to know that you are never too old to start running. Enjoy. Today on Fit Mind, Fit Body, I am delighted to share with you a friend of mine, Alwyn McMahon. Welcome, Alwyn. How are you? Oh, hi. I'm well, thanks. Thank you for being so brave to come on the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast. For some people, it's quite a, a challenging thing. Um, although I think I was really um, happy when you said that you would do it, knowing um, that not you know technology isn't necessarily the thing that you love to play with all the time, and you only use it when you when you need to. So I really appreciate you jumping onto this technology and coming to have a chat with us. So yeah, thanks. thank you. I was I will admit I was a little bit nervous about the technology more than the actual interview. Isn't that funny? <laughs> and here you are and it all worked out and we didn't have it any worked. problems probably actually it was my problem more than yours in that I was oh, no, once, I got, once I got the mute button off it worked a lot better yeah yeah that usually works <laughs> <laughs> all right um let's start with where did you grow up Alan let us um your background I actually grew up in two states oh wow so uh, my father was a civil engineer yeah. And moved around a bit with work, mm -hmm. um, basically wherever railways needed building. Yeah. And so I was born in Hobart mm -hmm. and then I lived the first six and a half years of my life in Launceston. Yeah. Started school at Riverside Primary. Yeah. Then we went to WA to see extended family for the Christmas holidays. Mm. While we were there, Dad got a new job. What? So we packed up and moved to Perth, WA. So you went there for Christmas and stayed there for longer. <laughs> we went for Christmas and stayed there for longer. Mm. And when they did the move, Mum, Dad and my two brothers came back to Tassie to pack up. Mm -hmm. And because my aunties and mum were worried about me missing the first five weeks of grade two I stayed in WA for my auntie yeah while they did the move wow and you can remember that can you remember back to that oh, yeah I can huh? remember staying with my auntie because I had um, um she had three girls and so Kath my cousin she was only 11 months older than us so there was the three of us all in one room oh, fantastic and um, we went to school together. And then I remember when mum and dad came back, all I wanted to do was be with them again. Oh, I want to give them a big hug. It's a long time when you're so young, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Oh. And mum did admit later, she had a change of clothes for me in case I changed my mind at the station. Oh, no. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Oh, and then how long did you stay in? in and so then 
basically we were in Perth. It must have been about 10 years. Hmm. That's a lot of your schooling, isn't it? Well, yeah, it was all my primary schooling um, and I was in what's now called Year 11. Wow. So I moved back to Tassie with family yeah. in the first week of second term in Year 11. Mm-hmm. How was that? Um, and that, once again, that was a job transfer with Dad. Yeah. And um, there was a little bit of debate as to whether I should be in grade 10 at Riverside High or whether I should be in first year matric, yeah. which is now LC, uh-huh. because I had only just turned 16. Mm, the different school systems, isn't it? And different school system between states. So I had finished um, the equivalent of grade 10 in WA, but because of my age and the different ways schools operate, mm. Because I in WA you do um, seven years primary school. Oh, okay. Wow. And then five years at the second school. So I just finished third year, but that was equivalent to fourth year over here. (laughs) So third year being grade 10. Uh, And so the headmaster at Riverside wanted me to go there. Yeah. And the headmaster at Matric said, oh, no, I reckon you should be here. Mm-hmm. So mum and dad said, well, we'll start your matric because if you can't cope, it's easier to drop back. Yeah. Anyway, I survived. You did. You went okay. And so how was that trip. for friends and things like that? Can you remember? Because you, although this is where you were, you know, originated from, it's a long time in that, you know, when you're young um, to well, be Well, all the people I started with at Riverside Primary in grade one. Yeah. Most of them, none of them I'd kept contact. The only ones we'd kept contact with sort of like it was more the parents rather than us kids Mm -hmm. because I was only like six when we left there. Um, But the the families, we lived in Fairway Crescent, Mm -hmm. the families that were our neighbours, mum and dad had kept in contact with a couple of those families. Yeah. But we didn't have any close contact Mm. when I came back but all the kids I started grade one with at Riverside Primary they were in grade 10 at Riverside yeah, High so they weren't in year 11 so with basically you. I ended up a year ahead of them all um and it wasn't as hard for me probably yeah because I'd been primary school I was in the public system mm-hmm. and I went to a private school the first, second and third year, and I hated it. It just didn't suit me at all. And then I was able to come back to the public system at the beginning of fourth year. Yeah. And so I'd only been at Applecross High for one term. Okay. And we moved and I'd made friends that I knew from outside of school quite easily there. Yeah. And then when we came back here, I didn't know a single soul. Um, But a couple of girls took me under their wing and up until, you know, we started going our separate ways and having kids at different times and things, we stayed in close contact. Uh, We've sort of, our lives have taken different pathways now and we haven't seen each other for ages, but um, I do keep thinking I need to um, make contact at one stage. That's lovely that you had, um, you know, some people who, who did that and it sort of helped that transition, which can often be really tricky, you know, going Mm. when you're, um, especially as self-conscious teenagers, as in, I mean, all teenagers tend to have yeah. 
a touch of self-consciousness about them. Um, and then going to an environment where you know don't know anyone, it can be quite a challenging time. Yeah. So. I think I think one of the challenges too with the move in year eleven, especially going to a school like Matric, where even then it was a big school. Yeah. And because you did have home group, but apart from home group, you weren't with the same group of kids. Yeah. For every class, you mm -hmm. just sort of were mixed. You know you. Um, you were in different classes all the time and as it turned out I was doing math science and my friends at matric were more doing the humanities yeah so we weren't didn't share any classes or home groups together at all wow um, and but for somebody coming in new when you just go to one class you tend to go to your class move on to the next thing yeah, yeah. Um, but fortunately they found me looking a bit forlorn and um <laughs> you know, at a loose end down in the locker room and adopted me into their group there. That's lovely. Okay, yeah. let's let's go back to um, West Australia for a, little, for a short time. What kind of sporting stuff did you do when you were at school? Were you very sporty? I was not very sporty at all at school. Believe it or not, I was skinny, underweight and completely gangly and uncoordinated. Wow. Um, and in the days I went to school, for girls anyway, most of the school, most school sport revolved around ball sports. Okay. So like yep. basketball, netball, netball softball. Yep. Any tennis? No. I did play tennis. Yep. And, um, yeah, so my ball catching skills are still non-existent, <laughs> uh, but outside of school, I did play tennis. Yeah. And when we first came to Tassie, I did actually play B Reserve at Riverside Tennis Club for a few weeks, but then I also joined Riverside Swimming Club. Ah. And then there became a clash of interests and swimming won. That's interesting. So um, uh, obviously the swimming is something that you've brought through from that time. Like it's um, not yeah, I didn't swim formally with the club until we came back to Tassie and I joined Riverside just to meet people in the area okay. at 16. So as far as swimming went, I was a late starter. Yeah. And so I was never... At 16, like, you're saying? Yeah, yeah I was yeah. never competitive at state level or anything like that, but yeah. I was the reasonable club swimmer. Mm -hmm. um, but mum was a bit of a water baby. Mm -hmm. I was always... A water baby yeah um you know dad and mum used to say how dad we would be down at penguin when i was like two and the water was so freezing dad couldn't even stand in it and i was there tipping buckets of water over my head oh um and and um dad was a yachty mm -hmm. so we spent from like you know when i was seven onwards we spent a lot of time hanging around the yacht club yeah. Um, I sailed Pelicans, which is like the junior training boat, bigger than a Sabo. Yeah. And I crewed uh, with another girl for a few years. Wow. But then when I turned 15, my age meant that I couldn't sail in a Pelican anymore. Uh-huh. But I was too light to move. I think I was six stone at that stage. So then oh, I was gosh. too light to crew in a Cherub. Um, and so that was the end of my sailing days. Oh, that's I do like it. 
Uh, and so while my brother and dad was out sailing, I used to spend the time just swimming off the jetties at the yacht club. Okay. So that's... And, and then dad had bought my, bro- uh, my brother and I a boat, which basically my brother took over. But in the odd times that we went out together, mm-hmm. if we capsized... He was the skipper, I was the crew, so I was the one that had to hang in the water while he bailed out. (laughs) So I think that's just, it just continued the love of swimming. Just being in the water. Yeah, and living in in Perth. If it was a hot day, Dad would come home from work and he'd take us down the surf beach and, you know, we'd splash around there for an hour or so. All our Christmas holidays were down at Rockingham at sailing regattas. So dads would sail, mums and kids would be on the beach, yeah, um, swimming, building sandcastles, getting sunburnt. Having what, <laughs> you know, what would appear to be a typical Australian childhood, it doesn't that, that kind of beach, you know, in, in summer, that seems yeah. quite typical, yeah. doesn't it? Typical, yeah. Yeah, typical 60s childhood where there wasn't as much organised stuff as now, but, yeah. um, you, you know, we used to, we were, by the time that mum knew we could swim when we were about 11, we'd we'd walk down the beach, not the surf beach, but the river beach, yeah. and we'd just go swimming by ourselves, turn around, come home, walk back. And then when the high school opened the pool, then we'd walk up the hill and go up to the high oh, school man. pool instead. Huh. Learned to swim in the, in the river. Yeah, in West Australia. In Western Australia, yeah. at a place called Deepwater Point, which is in the Canning River, south okay. of Perth. Mm-hmm. And like these days, you would never, they'd never, ever allow it, but there'd be probably 15, 20 in the class. Yeah. And your intermediate and senior certificate had longer swims in it. And so to mark the 50 metres, they just had like a platform 50 metres away from the end of the jetty. <laughs> And the teacher would just say, okay, out to the platform, out to the platform, freestyle, have a rest, come back, breaststroke. Wow. And then depending on what certificate was, you'd do however many laps. And there'd be no support crew, no teacher on the raft or anything. There'd be one teacher working you from the jetty. Yeah. And, and okay. um, depending on which way the wind was blowing, yeah. you would just be swimming through jellyfish soup all the way. <laughs> Even even myself growing up on King Island, I remember doing swimming, the the one where you had to rescue people. <laughs> you know, yeah. we, so we had to go to school with spare clothes and jump in the water and take it in turns to be rescued by someone else. But we did all that off the jetty in, on, yeah. um, in Curry and the water was freezing and there was only one teacher there and there was probably, you know, 20 of us or whatever it's sort yeah. of all and it just yeah. seems like chaos now if you think about it <laughs> oh. <laughs> these days you wouldn't be allowed somebody no. to get food or a jellyfish so. tin. yeah we didn't have the jellyfish but we certainly had cold water and the jetty's quite high up there from the water so it was quite yeah. a jump in too <laughs> which is always a bit of fun and i don't remember how i don't remember this being overly high but mm. it possibly was and it was more, that's probably more fun for the kids, I think, sometimes. Oh, we used to go down. Mum used to take us down after school before we were old enough to go down by ourselves. Yeah. And that's what we do. We just jump or dive off the jetty and swim back to the ladder, repeat. Yeah. It's like round and round. It's amazing what it takes to amuse children. It's like, yeah, not much. That's right. <laughs> a bit of water and a jetty and off you go. There's a day's worth of enjoyment. Yeah, that's about it. 
<laughs> yeah, so really growing up, it was um, swimming. Very swimming. Mm. Um, uh, like, but swimming, but not organised swimming. Yeah. Um, going down the yacht club, mm-hmm. um, family trips out on the on the boat that Dad sailed on, yeah. um, racing in the junior craft for a few years. Mm. Uh, had at school, I just played whatever was on. Mm whatever they were doing on in phys ed at the time. So yeah. that was a mix of a bit of gymnastics, a bit of hockey, a bit of bas- a netball, yeah. whatever whatever the PE lesson threw at you. Yeah, which is always a bit fun. Um, so you, you're back in Tassie. You're at matric. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said you were doing a bit of tennis perhaps then. Did you do much swimming then? Yeah, what happened, I joined both the tennis club and the swimming club. Mm. And I was playing in the Saturday B Reserve, mm-hmm. but then the swimming club said, "Oh, you know, there's a interclub meeting at Burnie this Saturday," and then t- tennis and swimming were clash clashing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I couldn't keep up the commitment to a team sport. So I, that's when I started swimming a bit more seriously. Yeah. All right. And if I turned up to all the training sessions, I was could be swimming up to nine times a week. Oh wow. Because we used to do um, swim morning and after school, mm-hmm. but there were a lot of mornings I didn't get there because um, I had to walk a k and a half to the pool, yeah. swim, then walk home, then get ready for school. So it was nothing to be eating six pieces of toast for breakfast on the way down to the bus stop yeah. and then get to school <laughs> by nine o'clock. Yeah. So sometimes I was just too tired to be bothered getting out of bed. Yeah, totally. But so... I, you're at, you finish um, matric. What mm-hmm. did you do next? What was your life path after school? I applied for lots of jobs. Mm-hmm. And I applied for a couple of um, studentships and cadetships. Mm-hmm. And I got a job at the Commonwealth, offered a job at Commonwealth Bank and one at Mount Pleasant. Ah. So I took the job at Mount Pleasant. I was there for two weeks and then I got offered a teaching studentship. Yeah. (laughs) And I was going to turn the teaching studentship down and stay at Mount Pleasant and the girls that were with me said, oh, this is a boring dead-end job. It was in the lab but it was just setting up mundane test tube things and you'll be bored out of your brain in four weeks' time. You'd be stupid not to take the studentship. So I did wow. and then got to the um, long prac in third year. Uh-huh. Our teaching just was not for me at all. I've not got the person skills to manage 25 nine-year-olds. Annoying children, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and um, coming, f- I, I found, especially with um, social studies, really hard because all my history was Western Australian history. Yeah. So as far as Tasmanian history, I was having to really, really study up the night before to be able to try and teach it the next day. So yeah. it was a bit hard. Um, and some of the other subjects that I had no interest in, I found very hard trying mm. to get 25 people interested in it when I had no interest in it either. <laughs> and fortunately, my supervisor agreed that teaching really wasn't my fit. So they terminated my bond. Um, then I was on the dole for three months and applied for 
40 jobs in that time. Wow. To be told I was either too old, too young, too inexperienced, overqualified. So this is when you were like 17, 18? 20. 20? 20? Yeah. Yeah. And and I did get an interview with the PWD down in Hobart. Mm -hmm. And the whole way the interview went was, oh, we've had girls here before and they never work out. They spend all their time gossiping. And at the what end of the year, was this? what year was I, this, Alan? Um, would have been about 75. Okay, you know, because we just think about you know the era you know, we were talking before about what you can get away with and things. It's like, it's yeah. so interesting how different things are. And, um, anyway, uh, my reply to that was, Well, I think I would manage. I've grown up with three brothers, <laughs> and then it was, Well, the trays of metal that you have to live rock because it was in analyzing the rock on that for roadworks yeah and they said well you wouldn't be able to lift the concrete things and you wouldn't be able to lift that it's all too heavy for a girl and you'll get your dress dirty and you know oh, a little dear. Bit know that I'd only put the dress on for the interview and my jeans were in the car and the minute I got back to the car I changed anyway <laughs> and I said well um when we finish talking can you take me for a tour of the lab please and just see if I can lift the things. Yeah. And he begrudgingly said, oh, okay. And anyway, we went for a tour of the lab and some of the guys that were working there had a look at me and I just said, oh, hi, I've just come to see what, what work you do and how heavy your things are. Can I try and lift one of them, please? And he said, oh, yeah. And I lifted it. It was a little bit of a struggle, but I wasn't going to let that interview guy see that. see it. <laughs> and as I walked out and I said oh no I can lift that pretty easily it was 28 pound I think which I'm not sure what that is in about yeah not great with conversion kilograms <laughs> and he said oh yeah but lifting one's all right but lifting them all day it'll be too much and as I was walking out one of the guys said to me even us boys aren't allowed to lift them by ourselves we have to do them with two Oh, that's funny. So I thought, I'm not going to get that job just because yeah. I'm female. A lot of resistance and I suspect the only reason I got the interview was because with my name, they thought I was male in the first place. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. So anyway, I didn't get that job. And then um, I saw the job advertised. And um, it was actually with Andrew Bradley, the pathologist. Mm-hmm who was mm-hmm. at the time in Brisbane Street mm-hmm. from, and they wanted a trainee medical technologist. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, I don't even know what that is. I better look it up in the dictionary. I was going to say there was no Google. Much. No Google at that point. No Google. So <laughs> that didn't help much. So anyway, I put in an application mm-hmm. and I went for the interview and they said, you realise if you get this job, you have to go back to uni part-time for six years and do a Bachelor of Applied Science. And I said, well, no, I didn't realise, but yes, I will. Wow. I didn't tell them that I fainted the sight of blood. Oops. And um, then they said, and do you have any plans of getting married? And at that time I was single. And I said, well, no, not really. And and babies, no, not really. So anyway, they said, okay, thanks very much. Uh, We'll let you know in a week or two if you've got the job. They rang me at four o'clock on the Friday afternoon 
to say, you've got the job, can you start Monday? Wow. And I said... You must have impressed them. (laughs) I said, oh, well, no, there was someone else who was unreliable who got the sack. Oh. I said, yes, apparently, which I felt a bit bad about, but it was nothing to do with me. And um, so then the next problem was, in those days, you had to, if you're female, you had to wear a dress or a skirt to work. So I had to do a quick trip to town to find something to wear. Wow. All these things we don't even think about now. Like it's just. Yeah. And, and anyway, yeah. so I started there and the rest is history. I'm still there. You're still in the same place. Still well, I've, I've been, I'm still working. I'm working in pathology. Yeah. However. Over the 46 years that I've been there, I've been bought and sold with the company <laughs> on numerous occasions. So we're now part of Sonic. Okay, I see. And um, we've moved buildings on to four times. So you're kind of part of the furniture, but it's a moving I, feast. I guess I'm it... pretty well part of the furniture. Wow. Yeah, we, we started in 15A Brisbane Street. Then we yep. moved to 19 where Parkview was. Yeah. And then we went to 159 St. John Street. Yep. And then where we are now in Frederick Street. Gosh. (laughs) There's a wealth of knowledge you must have. You would be very valuable to that company, I would think. Um, Do you have a point for retirement? How does that look for you? Oh, yeah. I've actually started um, progressing my progression to retirement. Mm -hmm. So... I worked full-time to start with and was also doing a half-university load part-time. Of course you were. (laughs) And then when that finished, by the time that finished, we were married. Yep. And then a year or two later, we had Stacey. Yes. After I had her, she's 39 now, so after we had her, I went back to work three days a week. Okay. And then over the year, and then Courtney came along on the, sort of three years later. And then um, as after Courtney started school, I progressively ended up working back up to four days a week. Yeah. And just recently I started my progression to retirement. So I dropped from four days to three days a couple of years ago. And now I've just dropped to two days a week. Oh, how does that feel for you? Um, it's really good because you just have a weekend work day and then you have, five-day weekend but I find I haven't got any more free time I just waste more I know I talk like so many of my friends have retired because they're a little bit older than me and they are like I don't know how I used to fit in work like they're just so busy doing all of the things like they just fill up their days it's amazing well and I think the other difference too is that when when I was working and the kids were at home, we also had our own business. So Kerry yeah. basically was an owner-operator transport, transport. driver and yeah. I have to do the books. Mm-hmm. And he was working quite long hours. Mm. And we literally, to leave, to you know, literally for sometimes we'd go a week and, and almost our only um, Ships in contact the as far as messages and conversation went was leaving a note to each other on the whiteboard. Oh. And and even now, depending on who gets out of bed first, we have to leave leave a message. We've fed the dog and then put the day so that she doesn't get bed twice. Um, and and he's now retired complete. Like we sold the truck a few years ago, and then because of health issues, he he's retired. 
So some of the day, and we bought a caravan. Yes. So we tend to go away more often. Go and enjoy it a bit. And then other days I'll be home and he'll be bored. And being an ex-trucky, one of his forms of entertainment is going for drives. Drives, yeah. So, so you could be go, wake up in the morning and not realise it, but be at the other end of the state later in the afternoon because you've gone for a drive. <laughs> Oh, we wouldn't be at the other end of the state. We would have been to the other end of the state oh. and come home via a different way. Come back. You would have circumnavigated some part of it. Well, the other day we went to Oaklands and we came back via Woods Lake. Oh. And then when we get to Ross. Yeah. Um, we came through Cressy back to Launceston. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And, and so... <laughs> Things and and the more time you have, the more time you waste. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Well, let's go back to so. I know that you have done uh, that. You still, I assume, you're still swimming. Like, yeah, I um. When I finished uni, Mm -hmm. uh, while I was at uni, I swam up until um, I was twenty. Yeah. But then when it got to the point where I was working full time and doing a half load at uni, mm-hmm. um, pretty much any sport um, went. Yeah. Um, my week was basically weekdays were work and go to uni. Friday night mm-hmm. was go to the pub. Saturday night was sleep in and do the housework. And Sunday night was study. Yeah. My Sunday was study. And that was basically my life for five years. Uh, and then, then we had a, a year um of basically going to work and so then I went to adult ed and I did a sewing course yeah I like dressmaking oh wow uh for a couple of terms just so I could make basic shirts and things and that's when I was up at the pool one day and I was talking to Peter Goss who a lot of people would know because he managed Riverside Pool for a few years okay and he was the manager up at Windmill Hill after that and he said, I would try to get a master's swimming club going in, in Tassie. Are you interested in joining? And I said, oh, yeah. And he says, oh, you are 25, aren't you? Because mm-hmm. in those days you had to be 25 to join. And I said, yeah, yeah I'm 25 and three months, oh, five months. Yeah. And he said, oh, good. So anyway, um, I got the club going and I was on the founding committee and I've been swimming with them ever since. That's amazing. So how, how old are you now? 66. 66. So that's like, well, it's a lot more than half your life. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah. And, and I do enjoy it, but it was through swimming that actually led me to running. Ah, so that's the next bit. So how did you get into running? Sorry, I'm just trying to get my camera to come uh, Well, a lot, of the, a lot of the master swimmers that were coming in mm-hmm. were triathletes. Ah. And they always would get all excited about going and doing the Bernie 10. Yeah. So I got it in my head I wanted to do the Bernie 10. Mm-hmm. But at the time I was a little bit tubby. Right. I wasn't the beast, but I definitely had more weight on me than I needed. Yeah. And I couldn't run to save myself because I'd just get puffed out. How long ago was this? Just this was... It, was when I was 50 oh just before I was 50 because okay. I thought about it for a couple of years before I actually that's did really interesting that's really interesting yeah and then um 
Ray Bryan, who also swims with Masters, mm -hmm. and Lizzie Ellis, who you would I know well, knew well. well. Yeah. Um, well, I knew Lizzie because she did swim with Masters for a while as well, and also her daughter was friends with my daughter at school. She's actually my son's godmother was my son. Oh, okay, yeah, she's a lovely person. Yeah. And anyway, Lizzie and Ray were running an adult ed course calling called um, Learn to Run the Bernie 10. <laughs> and the first year I saw it and I thought mm, I don't reckon I'd be good enough to even start <laughs> and I, I joined the gym at Lagana yep. and so over the next 12 months I'd run a bit on the treadmill because if I tried running outside I just got too puffed out <laughs> and on the treadmill I got to the point I could run 3Ks awesome so I thought, oh, I think I can go to learn, the, to learn to run the Bernie 10 this year. Mm -hmm. So I signed up for it. And the first one was the day before my 50th birthday. Oh, wow. Or the day after my 50th birthday. Yeah. And we, went, and we had to meet at Heritage Forest. Yes. And just as a bit of an experiment to see where we were at, we had to run from the playground to the Little White Bridge. And I managed to make it just, and then I was huffing and puffing and <laughs> oh, couldn't have gone any further at all, as were most of the rest of the class. And then so we just then walked some laps and started like that, and then Lizzie gave us homework and we had to, like, you know, do some walks, and then we built up over the course, mm -hmm. did the Bernie 10. I ran the first 3K and then ran walk the rest. And at the end of that, Lizzie said to me, well, you shouldn't throw it all away now. Longford Fun runs next week, in two weeks' time. So oh, yes. Which I did. And after that, a couple of us that were in the class said, what to now? And she gave us Gary Armstrong's farm number. Ah. <laughs> so I found it up down at Park Street or yep. whatever night it was. Mm -hmm. And started running with Gary's group for a bit. As my once first again. coach. <laughs> yeah, once again, all the others were miles ahead of me and I was huffing and puffing, but we got there. And then in the summer, um, he said, oh, come and join Masters and go out and do track. Because by this time, also, I'd got a bit sick of following the black line at the bottom of the swimming pool mm -hmm. and needed something a bit different for a while I did still keep swimming yeah and um so I went out to St Leonard's and I did was in masters for a couple of years and did the track work but after a while I found all I've done is substituted a black line for a white line on a red background and yeah. <laughs> I must have mown the lawn before I got there every day and it just set my hay fever off it just didn't, wasn't working <laughs> it just didn't work for me yeah so I didn't worry about that. But through there, I met a few other people mm -hmm. who we still run together on Sundays. And um, they also were running with Gary's group. And then we got it in our heads. We were going to go and do a half marathon. Of course. So we'd done a couple of 10Ks by this. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we thought, well, We'll go to we'll go to the Gold Coast. That's a good place for a holiday. <laughs> and while we're there, just for fun, we'll do the half marathon. 
Like so <laughs> we trained all winter and I thought, Gold Coast Marathon, even in July, I'm going to suffer from the heat. Yeah. So I was running all winter with, you know, extra layers on. Yeah. And we got there, we did the half marathon. Thought that wasn't, had a bit of a holiday, went shopping and everything. Thought that wasn't bad. And so then we came home and thought, what do we do next? So we went and did the city to surf. Of course you did. <laughs> and that was fantastic. And then the next year we thought, where will we go now? So we went and did Noosa. Wow. And the half? You did the half at Noosa? The half. Yeah. And then after a while we thought, let's try and run a half marathon in every state. Oh, wow. And, like, it did take a few years. We didn't do it yeah. all in one go. So I think in the end there was possibly only two of us that finished it. <laughs> and we ended up, um, yeah, so Christine and I, we ended up running a half marathon in every state and the only ones that we didn't run the same event was Canberra. That's awesome. And That's so cool. Um, Adelaide. We counted it as a half marathon. Yeah. But we actually did the full marathon. Oh. Because it was the full marathon was two laps, we figured, yeah. well, we've done the half marathon in South Australia. You totally have. <laughs> That's amazing. So it sounds to me like um, you started running for a little, a little bit of a change as well, like you yeah. met somebody who suggested that would be a good a good plan and then um one of the reasons you you kept running at least at that point if that may still be the same is that you met people who you got on with and and you ha had similar goals and and setting those goals together as a group has been really helpful for you as like something to aim for for your training and things do you think that's yeah that was, that's probably it it's sort of like I had a goal in the first place to run the Bernie 10. Mm. And then in achieving that, I met people along the way that encouraged me to stick at running. Yeah. yeah. And I found I liked it. So what is it you like about running, do you think? Um, well, one of the things I like about running compared with swimming is if you want to go for a run, you don't have to drive to the pool, take all your clothes off, put your bathers on, and yeah, then when you finish get showered and everything yeah. um for running if you decide you want to go for a run you can just put your shoes on and go out the door yeah it doesn't matter where you go mm. and if you don't want to and you can run with friends you can run by yourself it doesn't matter what time of the day or night it is you don't have to worry about am is there going to be space for me yeah if you don't want to run around your own neighborhood you can drive a bit further and go somewhere else and run explore um, you can explore <laughs> you can explore and I I must say I haven't done very much running in the last six or seven months there's been a few things that my headspace wasn't quite in the in the right place um just other things going on yeah. and with just changing routine Mm -hmm. dropping from three days a couple of trips to melbourne when dad passed away oh. which um he was 93 so yeah. it was sort of you know it was time yeah, but it's still hard added, um if we get there are we going to be able to get home with covid mm -hmm. and all that sort mm -hmm. of stuff um we were lucky that 
the, the we did have that window. Um, and you can run anywhere. You just put your running shoes in your bag and you can go anywhere. And there's lots of little challenges you can set yourself. Mm -hmm. And and if you don't want to run, if you think, oh, I don't want to run, and you put your shoes on and you think, I'll just walk today. And after a while, you might think, oh, I'm bored of walking and you'll just start running anyway. Yeah. yeah. Or other days you might think you feel like going for a run and after a 200 meters, you think, oh, stuff this. I couldn't <laughs> be bothered doing this today. So then you can just walk and look at the scenery and look in sticky beak in people's gardens of the flowers they got yeah. and the birds and everything. So just being in the space that you're in at that moment and making the most of it, looking around you and, and enjoying yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, and then once I'd been running for a while also, people started talking about the triple top. Oh. <laughs> and I thought, hmm. I asked a few people, oh, is it really as hard as people say? Mm -hmm. And a few people said, no, not really. A couple of others said, oh, you'll break your neck. <laughs> um, and there's rope bladders and six foot drop you know 10 foot drops and you'll break your neck and uh, I'll go and see so anyway signed up for the triple top got the hottest day in November for I don't know how long it was wow. 30 plus when we started almost I entered as a walker anyway I got to the end of it but was pretty well dehydrated for the next 24 hours because it was so warm because mm. it was so hot and I ran out of water 6k before the end oh and at one drink station, the second last drink stop, I asked for water and they said, oh, we haven't got very much. We need to save it for the ones behind you. And I think there was only two people behind me. Oh. I didn't know that at the time. And I got um, the next drink station's got plenty. And when I got to the next drink station, they had none. No. So I had to come all the way down the scree yeah. in 30 plus with no water. No, that wouldn't be fun. But, yeah, I, I was just determined to get to the end. Have you done and it again? Ended up, <laughs> um, yeah, I ended up doing it three or four times. Okay, yeah. And then the next year I did it in, in Drizzle. Yep, that's the, the normal year, way. <laughs> the was um, mud. Yeah. And I hadn't got very far and I put my foot down and pulled my foot up and my shoe was bent in the mud up to my thigh, put my foot up, no shoes, oh, dug it out. <laughs> continued on and that year anybody behind me and there wasn't me had pulled out wow yes the yes man was following me out and when we got back onto the road he says I've got my car here I'll give you a drive down to the finish line if you like and I said no, no. <laughs> this is um, and he said oh nobody will know <laughs> and I said oh no and he said I'll drop you at the corner before anyone could see you <laughs> I said no oh no I'll keep walking thanks <laughs> so I did Oh, but maybe, maybe really he wanted to get there well, quicker. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, what did you yeah. say? Sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, so anyway, um, yeah, so I, I did finish the three or four that I did. And then after the fourth one, I thought, no, I think that's, I've achieved my goals there. And I think it's getting to yeah. the point where it's a little bit physically beyond me. So yeah. I've put that one to bed. Yeah, it's a lovely race there. I love the views from up there. And oh, the like you said, it's, it, it's quite a challenge. And I think um, the sense of achievement when you finish it, because it is quite a challenge because you've got all kinds of terrain and 
it's quite steep mm. and you've got the boulders and the climbing down bits as well as the bits of running <laughs> that you get to do. Yeah, I didn't do a lot of running. I did a little bit of running across the top the mm. top plateau. That was yeah. about it. Yeah. And the road to the finish. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, sort of from that, I got it. was when the trail running was starting to take off. Okay. Yeah. And I found that I actually enjoy trail running more, even though I've got very clumsy and a very poor sense of direction. And I have got myself lost a few times. Yeah. And, oh, the first time I did um, four beaches. Yep. When I went round the headland after you've left Greens Beach, that first headland. Yep. Somehow I ended up pointed back to Greens Beach and didn't oh, realise. Interesting. <laughs> and you know, if, I'd, if I'd stopped and used my common sense instead of trying to just keep running, I would have yeah. realised that the, the water was on the wrong side. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until I got to um, like the or something. had the big double gates. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought, I've already been through there. I'm going the wrong way. I think that's nudist beach, they call that. I think it might have been no beach. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, then I turned around and I found the right way. <laughs> and um, that was that race was my only DNF. Oh. Because yeah. I got, uh, I, I managed to get to um, Badger's Head. Yeah. To the checkpoint there. But by then I'd probably ran an extra two or three K. Yeah. Just and then there was a, a tree fallen over the path that went from Badger's Head through to the next beach. Mm-hmm. Copper Cove. And, and I wasn't tall enough to step over the log and I was too big to go under it. So I had to go off the path yeah. and then I couldn't find the path again. Oh, no. And and anyway, I just and I just sat down and thought, oh, rude words, rude words in my head. And then I just shouted them out really really loud because nobody else was there and then I started crying and then the marks flies started biting oh and, and then I thought it's this <laughs> I scrubbed bash down to the beach and then went back to the um oh. badger's head and withdrew because that was when that was when the 25k went all the way to Baker's Beach yeah yeah, and you could get Stop picked the up one there. Where mm. you turn around at Badgers mm. these days. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, um, but that was actually a very good lesson because once I got back to Badgers Head, yeah. Kerry was waiting at Baker's Beach to pick me up. So I had to ring him to come and get me. And while we were there, all the lead runners, yeah. that by the time I get back, normally they're all recovered and looking fit and well, and you think everything was really easy for them. Uh-huh. And they were coming back and they were huffing and panting and red in the face and a couple of them had stomach cramps and were yeah. rolling around the ground and some of them, their water bladders had burst and they had no water left. And, so you realise um, it's not all rosy at the front either, like everybody's made, having a... Made, having made you realise, yeah, that these people that you think are expert runners and are infallible, yeah. they're still human like us. Exactly. That just can run faster. <laughs> it just still hurts them though, and they still have stuff going on. Yeah, and um, and that particular race that was probably only the second or third one they'd ever run, mm-hmm. and the course wasn't well marked like it is today. Mm-hmm. And at that checkpoint, 
the runners that came back while we were there came from four different directions. No. <laughs> and some of them had run extra and some of them had accidentally taken shortcuts. <laughs> and yeah, so it was a real eye-opener that things that I take as, oh, it's just, you know, mugs game when you don't know what you're doing and maybe you shouldn't be there. It happens to the experts as well. Yes. Yeah. And it was a really good sort of, you know, eye-opener in that um, and the confidence booster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all in this together and we're all having an experience and yeah. most of us, um, it's a challenge at some point for all of us <laughs> doing, yeah. the, doing the same thing. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so you said you're not running much at the moment. Are you how often would do you say you would run right now? Oh uh, well, in the last three weeks, we on our Sundays we've started running again, but mm -hmm. probably from when daylight saving finished up until the three weeks ago, yeah, I was virtually not running at all. Yeah, but you were swimming, uh, I'm assuming. But I was swimming more. I was probably swimming three or four times a week. Okay, yeah, and I go to the gym do a class at the gym once a week as well and I was doing that and the Sunday group we were still meeting mm -hmm. and we were still doing our loop that depending on how we feel can be anywhere between 11 and 14 k's yeah instead of running it we were walking it okay so you were all having a bit of a break from the the actual and running component yeah it just got to the point where for me anyway Running was a bit of chore and none of us had injuries, but we just had little niggles. Yeah. Um, and had, you know, it was freezing cold and we didn't want to take our jumpers off and we yeah. couldn't run with our jumpers on because we were going to get hot or it was threatening rain and we didn't want to get wet. So we walked so we could wear our raincoats and yeah, yeah. Um, just um, depending on who turned up on the group and who's what mood people were in, we yeah just sort of adjusted the distance we went mm -hmm. and um whether we walked or ran yeah. and so now we've just started back running again after a bit of a break to just to clear the head it, it when talking to you it seems like since you're since you started swimming um there really hasn't been many times in your life when you haven't done some kind of exercise um in, like you've you've gone out of your way to, to exercise. Why do you think that is? Because there's plenty of people in this world who, for whatever reason, don't exercise once they leave school. Um, they just don't. And so, why do you think you kept at exercise? What is it? For, what does it give you that makes you want to keep exercise, whether it's swimming or running? Do you think? I was probably pretty lucky in that I was born into a family. Mm -hmm that although organised sport wasn't a part of our lives, mm -hmm. our lifestyle was one that did involve exercise. Yeah. Even yeah. if it was just being in the backyard, climbing up a tree or, um, you know, climbing up the poles on the, on the veranda and, yeah. swinging, you know, swinging on the swing or monkey bars um, at home. Yeah. And... Growing up in the 60s, if you're going to the shop for your mum, you know, you get sent up the shop to buy a loaf of bread or something, and the yeah. kids would just be given, well, in those days it was probably a shilling, to buy uh -huh. the loaf of bread 
and you just walk. Yeah. And then, or you, well, in my case, I'd run up to the shop, <laughs> and then nine times out of ten, it was to get a half a loaf of bread. Yeah. In the old-fashioned, wrapped up in the tissue paper. Uh huh. I'd always ask the the shopman to give me one that had the hump going sticking up. Oh. Because then I could walk home and eat the bread on the way home, and <laughs> the and then time. I would just tell mum that oh I got the one that was going in. <laughs> Because it was really fresh, <laughs> yummy white bread, and and you know, Dad being a yachty, will and growing up in Perth, you just were always at the beach. Yeah. And then the only time really that I wasn't exercising was um, when I was at uni and studying yeah. at the same time. Yeah. And then I just happened to be in the right place at the right time to then get involved in master swimming. Yeah. And so. From then on in, exercise has always just been a habit. It's just it's what you do. So I think maybe it's that habit forming that you did back in, you know, halfway through your twenties that has stood you in good stead, you know, for I the rest that, of rest yeah, of your adult I, life. I think that's what it is. And the other thing too is I've, I've been lucky with the genetics I've been built, dealt with. Mm-hmm. So I've had very few injuries. Yeah. Um, when I first started running, I got plantar fasciitis in both feet. Ouch. Ouch. Um, it didn't go, they said to rest for two weeks. I said, mm-hmm. I'll rest for two weeks after the Bernie 10. <laughs> um, it didn't go away. And yeah. I found it didn't matter whether I ran or rested, it didn't get any better or any worse. Okay. But at its worst, it was so bad that I even had to put my orthotics in my Ugg boots. Oh, no. And it's just basically chronic and I live with it and yeah. I know how to manage it now and yeah. um, it very rarely flares up. Yeah. And I think also the fact that I swim as well as run yeah. and do one session at the gym, which is normally kettlebells or Pilates, so it's a little bit of strength training, mm-hmm. also helps with the injuries. Yeah, keeps um, you all together. I did do three marathons and when I was training for them, my biggest weeks I think were about 60, 65 um, k's running. Mm -hmm. But I only ran four times a week. And I got to the start line feeling after a really good taper, I got to the start line with no injuries, feeling really good, whereas some of the others that ran five or six times a week with no cross training were carrying... Um, hip, you know, niggly hips or niggly calves yeah. before they even started. Mm. And although they finished, it didn't finish overly well for them, whereas I did better than I was expecting. Yeah, I think there's a, um, a good lesson there that um, cross training, but definitely the strength training and mm. to help make you stronger um, yeah. really helps for longer distances. And and well and not only it's not just for longer distances and for running, but as you get older, mm. especially with females, you lose muscle and bone density. Mm-hmm. So you really need to do a weight bearing exercise. And although yeah. swimming is very good for muscle tone and core strength, it lacks the weight bearing element. Mm. Element. So um, it does help, um, you know, to do something else as well, whether it be walking or running. Yeah, going to the gym for a bit of strength training. 
one question I ask most people, Aaron, is how long do you think you'll run for in your life? Well, at the moment, I don't. I just think about that after I heard you ask um, Colin. Yeah. And I don't really have an end point. Yeah. I realise that I am on the getting along the tape measure quite a long way. I'm more than half along the tape measure of life. Mm -hmm. And I possibly won't be able to run forever. Mm -hmm. But for as long as I can keep running, I'll just keep running. And when I can't run, I'll walk. Good on you. So you'll just keep moving. Like you, I guess what I'm hearing from is that um, to you, a high value for you is moving, you know, continuing to move as much as you can. Well, one of the things that I found when I've been doing more walking, and since we got the caravan and Kerry and I have been like going away, exploring places we'd never had the opportunity to go yeah. when we were both work, working pretty well full time, yeah, is that he fishes. Mm -hmm. We're not used to being in each other's face 24-7. Uh -huh. So I'll just say to him, I'm going for a walk. I'll walk out for an hour, I'll walk back for an hour, I'll see you in two hours. Yeah. Um, because I must say I'm not overly good necessarily at um, safety and walking by myself. So, but one of the reasons that I run rather than, one of the reasons I walk yeah. rather than run when I'm by myself is because there's a bit less risk of tripping over my feet mm. and hurting myself. Yeah. Uh, because we, we might be places like, um, we went the last one we went to Baker's Beach mm -hmm. so he sat on the beach fishing mm. and I walked over to Copper Cove and back wonderful wonderful and another time or other time when he's been on Baker's Beach I've just said oh, I'll just go for a walk I'll walk an hour out and an hour back along the beach and so I left from around Baker's Point where the campground is yeah. and I got up to the path to Copper Cove yeah but that day, I don't, that was, I think, about 7K to there. It is, yeah. <laughs> and I walked in thongs. Oh. <laughs> and I started up the, and I, I had to take them off because the sand started rubbing. And I went to start up the path to Copper Cove and I thought, January, Snake. sharp sticks, <laughs> wriggly sticks, yeah. um, thongs is probably not a good idea. Yeah. And so I just turned around and came back back to the beach. Um, <laughs> and we went down to, um, oh, there's been other places. Some some of the easier walks, he comes, he's come with me. So when we were down south, he did the, um, the duck hole walk. And yeah. um, Ralph Falls, Halls Falls, and some of those easier ones. But then when we went to Evercreech, he did the little loop while I did the bigger loop okay. up to the falls. And yep. I couldn't actually do the, I contemplated doing the loop that day, but it involved crossing the river on rocks, holding okay. a rope. Yes. And I was by myself and it was only about eight degrees and the water looked freezing and I thought, no, it's probably not a good idea. Do so I turned same. around and came back again. But decision. Yeah, but I found with walking, you see so much more than when you're running. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess that is true, too, especially if you're, 
in an environment where you need to be careful where you're putting your feet. So you're spending a lot of time probably looking down, like if you're running, you know, you spend a lot of time looking down at the path, don't you? Making sure you're not tripping over and things like that. Yeah. Well, you do, but even um, one time I was walking up the gorge and Kerry was with me. Yeah. Normally I would run that path. Yeah. But because he was with me, we were walking and there was a couple of little things along that path. Like there was this little monument thing. Okay. I'd yeah. never noticed it before. Because <laughs> you always run past it. Because I'd always run past it. That's interesting. And and you you, you know you, you spot more of the wildlife when you're walking. Yeah. Yeah. And you notice true. the flowers on the bushes and you look at the view, especially when you're on the trail. And I do actually prefer trail yeah. um, to the road because it is um a lot more mentally challenging as well. Mm-hmm. You have to concentrate where you're going, otherwise you can easily get lost. Like not not if you're sensible, not enough to stop doing it. Yeah. But you do have to watch where you put your feet a little bit so yeah. you don't trip over. That being present and in the moment and where you are and being you aware. Have to just mm. Be aware of where you are so that mm. if you want to go back, you can turn around and go back. Uh, I have had a few experiences being very lost, oh. but, but the worst one was actually on the road. Oh, <laughs> I was in Melbourne and I'd gone over to support my daughter because she'd had a, um, a, a health thing that was mm-hmm. a little bit um, distressing to her. Yeah. And um, I said, oh, I'll just go for a 5K run. And she lived in Point Cook. I don't know if you know Melbourne or not. I know Melbourne, but I don't know if I know Point Cook. There you yeah, go. One of the suburbs on the way out towards Werribee. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so so I was, we got the map out and she said, oh, yeah, we'll go this way. And I said, yeah, okay then. And I didn't have my Garmin. I only had a normal watch with hands on it. Yeah. And I said, oh, I'll be about 35 minutes. Anyway, me being me, thought, oh, the beach might be over there. So I kept focused on where I might get to the beach. Yeah. And then I saw a supermarket and I thought, oh, I need to go down a couple more streets. Anyway, long story short, by the time I got to somewhere, I saw a sign that said Werribee Zoo. Oh. (laughs) It was a Sunday. (laughs) Sunday. Um, Everything was closed. I could see the the highway that went to Werribee in July. Yep, I know that. <laughs> I thought, I don't think I'm in Point Cook anymore. Oh, dear. <laughs> I didn't have my phone with me. I didn't have my water with me because I was only going 5K. Yes. Fortunately, when I saw the sign where I was at the T-junction, um, the a man pulled up at the paddle beating shop. Yeah. And I said, oh, excuse me, can you tell me where I am? And he looked at me as if I was a bit of a zombie. This is planet Earth. <laughs> yeah. And I explained what had happened. And I said, do you mind if I use your phone to ring my daughter and let her know I'm safe? And he yeah. said, oh, no. So I went and rang, rang and there was no answer. And because she was out looking for me. No. <laughs> and anyway, he gave me directions back. And by then it was like 35 degrees and I got thirsty. So I had to call into the display home and ask the lady, could I please have a glass of water? 
oh, could I get a drink of water? If she, I actually went in and said, have you got a tap on your front lawn I can get a drink out of, please? And she brought me a glass of water oh. and offered to run me home. And I said, oh, no, that's fine, thanks. Anyway, I got home under my own steam. But when we looked at the map afterwards, I'd probably done about 20K. No! <laughs> and, oh, yeah, and it all turned out. But ever since then, I have been a little bit more conscious of where I've been going. Just in case. And when I've stayed with uh, with her, they've always shown me where the nearest park is and which way to go so I don't end up lost. And have you got your phone with you, Mum? Can, can we track it to make sure that we can find you if we need to? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So That's anyway, funny. that was a bit of an eye out. Yeah. How quickly things can go awry totally. if you, if you um, get distracted. Yes. So... In your talking about distractions, when you're out for a run, do you what kind of things do you think about? You don't have to give us like the details. What sort of stuff is going through your mind when you're running? It depends. Um, often I used to run and I am going to get back into it. Mm -hmm. um, if I finished work at three, mm -hmm. I would take my running gear to work and run straight from work because I okay. knew if I came and sat down, that would be the end of it. I wouldn't move. Yeah. And because of where we work, it was always up the gorge. Yeah. yeah. And depending on what sort of day I had would depend on what I thought of. Mm -hmm. So if I'd had a really bad day, I would be just thinking, I'm so glad I'm out of there. Yeah. I've had enough. I'm lucky I didn't smash something oh. um, and and I will just run flat out and just think how glad I am to be free. Yeah. And then after about the time I got to the Penny Royal, my head would be starting to clear. Yeah. And I'd have to slow down because I'd run so fast I'd be, <laughs> I'd be puffed out. And then... Um, then I'd just sort of calm down and start looking at what was around me and maybe thinking I might think what I had for tea, what I have to do for tea yeah. or if I was training for an event, I would start thinking mm, maybe we might have this hill so I would need to concentrate on my running a bit Yeah. and remember because um, I run with old train and remember um, Amy said, if you're going uphill, little steps, little steps. Yeah. And I concentrate on that and I concentrate on my breathing a bit. Mm -hmm. um, other days I wouldn't think much at all. I just look around at how nice everything looked. Or yeah. um, sometimes I will chat to people like tourists that have got lost. Uh -huh. <laughs> or if there was ladies about to go over the zigzag track in their high heels, I would convince them it's probably better to go on the path on the other side. Yeah, totally understand but that. That was the first <laughs> sign they'd see if they were coming from town. So they didn't realise there was another side half the time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And so when I got to the playground, I'll go I'll down the slide. <laughs> You're just a big kid, aren't you, Alvin? <laughs> yeah, probably. And, Which is awesome. Yeah, and then when I'm running events, I never set myself, well, I sort of set myself a, PB time that I want to do. Yeah. But I usually will set myself a time range. Okay. Yeah. So I'll set my goal will be the time that I think in my head is achievable. Mm -hmm. 
And then I was at a time that if I go that slow, it's unacceptable. Okay. And then I will set a time that if I do that time, I'll be absolutely over the moon and stoked. So it sounds very scientific to me. Well, it probably is. You know, where I, you've got the lower, the middle one and the higher well, one. Yeah. Well, it's probably almost going to like the reference ranges that I work with at work all the yeah. time. Yeah, I was thinking. <laughs> and, um, and so if I do the time that I was expecting, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. And then if I do better than that, even if I don't re- reach my absolutely stoked time, I'm still happy. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if I was to set my, I have to do a time that might be, you know, unachievable and then I don't do it, I would be disappointed. Yeah, so you get your, there's more opportunity for you to be happy this way. So there's, yeah, there's 99% success rate instead of a 50% or less. Yeah. Ah, that's really cute. I like that. That's clever. And then and then when I'm running for those events, yeah. I'll look around and I'll concentrate a little bit on on um you know where I'm running. And then when I start doing board, getting mm. bored, I'll start doing sums in my head. Ah, sums. Oh. I've heard of that. Have you? Well yeah, only but Mostly because people find it difficult and so it distracts them a lot from the fact that they're running because they find it hard to do sums. Do you find it easy or hard? Yeah, well, I think that's probably why I do it. So I start thinking, I look at my watch Mm -hmm. and I think, right, I'm running, you know, say seven-minute Ks. Yeah. So if I run seven-minute Ks and I've got X Ks to go, I reckon I'm going to be finished in a certain time. Yeah. And if I drop... If I want to get home in say three hours thirty, yeah, then I'll work it out. I have to keep running, say a t- no worse than an eleven minute k, or I'm not going to get to that time. Yeah, yeah. And like it doesn't worry me whether I actually achieve that time or not. Just but it's just a way of distract distraction. Yeah, it's hard too though because you're doing when you're doing time and the pace, and so you're working with tens and the units of of 12 with the time I find that very challenging <laughs> sometimes oh, when, especially if I've been running for a little while to try and work out some yeah of that sometimes stuff. it is but I do tend to round it to the like I don't work it out exactly so yeah. I might round it yeah. to the nearest 15 seconds yeah because yeah. 15 seconds is easy because that's a quarter true it's, <laughs> it's true <laughs> it's such a tricky thing yeah um, so obviously you do you do many runs by yourself. So you were just talking about running after work and getting back to that. That's obviously a by yourself one. And you run on Sundays with friends and old trains probably with people as well. Mm-hmm. So do you well, do much by yourself or are you just a bit of a, a combination of with people and by yourself? Oh no, I do a combination. Um, like I say, this winter I've been a little bit um, slack with the running. Also uh my shifts changed a bit so Tuesday night I've mostly been on a three till 11 oh which means that running buddies doesn't work yeah yeah and um but I was running with running buddies I really enjoyed that yeah and I do intend to get back into that habit yeah um but just sometimes work gets in the way yeah and Thursdays in summertime, I'll be back up. I'll go back up 
Travel and with Ultrain. Yeah. And then Sunday I run with the the original group. There's sort of there's been there's probably only four of us in that group now. Yeah. Um, but you know, we we basically we want to keep going, even if all of us can only walk. Yeah. We just want to keep going just for a good catch up. And that run normally, if people have got gripes about anything, um, you know, we just let it all out of our systems. Yeah, we might not like necessarily you... want an answer, but you can use each other as a sounding board. Yeah. Um, other days we'll, we'll be running and we'll be solving all the problems of the world and what <laughs> the government should do about this and what the government should do about that. Yeah. We don't always agree on things. Yeah. Um, but that's what life is and we generally tend just to agree to disagree. Yeah. Yep. Other times we might have exciting things in our lives that have happened that we talk share. about or, yeah. you know, holidays or yep. whatever. Mm -hmm. I do have a reputation among runners as being able to talk very, very well. No. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't noticed that. <laughs> yeah. um, and I am learning when some people don't necessarily want to be bombarded and really <laughs> no way of me getting rid of stuff out of my system rather than necessarily even needing them to reply yeah uh, and then other times like obviously when we're away a lot of what I do is by myself yeah. mm -hmm. and when I can do it safely I tend to go beach or trail mm -hmm. um, and sometimes I'll just go around the neighbourhood, that's usually by myself as well. Okay. Uh, sometimes the trail walks, I might go with non-running friends. Yeah. So we did um, Cape Rail. Yeah. A couple of my swimming buddies did mm. Cape Rail. Another Beautiful one of my space. swimming buddies was going to do South Cape. Oh, Not wow. the whole one, but just the bit yeah. from um, the whale statue down to the beach. But the day we got there, it was three degrees. Oh, Sleet, 40k winds. That doesn't sound pleasant. We looked at each other and um, said, we don't want to be the front page of the Mercury. Neither, no. of, us water, neither of us had waterproof pants. Uh, yeah. Uh, we were definitely ill-equipped for those conditions. conditions and it would yeah. have been miserable. You know, mm. We don't want to be front page of the Mercury. We'll no. go another day. <laughs> so we went on the McMahon Magical Mystery Tour instead. I went up to um, Jeeveston for morning tea and then we ended up having our picnic up in the shelter shed up at Hearts, the beginning of all the Hearts oh, Mountain trails. Sounds lovely. And it was still snowing up there. Wow, that sounds awesome. And that was a couple of years ago. Yeah. So it was still a good day. Yeah. And so, yeah, it just depends sometimes by myself, sometimes with a group. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, how do you think running has improved your life? Um, well, to start with, it was something that I wanted to do and I found the first thing was um, not that I ever had a real problem with body image, but I did drop five or ten kilograms, yeah. mm -hmm. um, which then took me down to my ideal weight. Yeah. So it did make me feel better than about myself a bit. I didn't okay, feel so it's good frumpy and old. Um, the, one of the best things is I've met so many supportive people oh. and so many people that I would never have met had it not been for running. Yeah. 
And from running, it's then led me to do other things for recreation, like just going out for walks in the bush and on the trail. And just I found it was really, really good cross training for swimming, especially endurance swimming. Mm -hmm. And just for everyday life, um, being fitter, um, you don't find things quite as much as a struggle. Yeah. And just... I don't know, just and um, mentally, it gives you an outlet if you're crabby with everybody, yeah. or if you've had a bad day, you can just put your shoes on and out the door, and by the time you come back, it's just blown your head, blown all the all the bad thoughts out of yeah. your head, yeah. or even if they don't go away completely, it has simmered them down so that you can then control them. Yeah, and you endorph that's the endorphins and the chemicals that are going off in there. Yeah, or if you've improve your mood. Or, if, or if you've got something that you've been mulling over and you don't really know what to do, mm-hmm. especially if you're running with somebody else, even if they don't give you an answer, just the fact that you've verbally told somebody mm-hmm. about things, you can come home and you can make a decision. Yeah, it's like running therapy, I think, sometimes. It is like <laughs> it is exactly like therapy. It is, yeah. I love that. Um so Alwyn. If somebody came to you and said, I really want to start running, what tips would you give them to get them started? But even more importantly, I think to keep them running because often getting started is one thing, but that being consistent and, and adopting it as your new habit, as we established earlier, you know, you started exercising earlier on in life and it's, it's like a habit for you that, you know, you can't imagine not doing it. It's, it's mm. who you are. So what mm. kind of, tips would you have for people wanting to start yeah well I do remember still mm-hmm. when I say starting running I mean starting running as an adult because as a kid yeah. I just naturally ran yeah just because all kids run um the first thing I would say was don't think about it just go and do it <laughs> and then yeah. the, if they said oh I'm too old I'd say well I was 50 just do it exactly because a lot of them say I'm too old when they're 35 Yes. Um, and that's the other thing I didn't mention. Because a lot of the people in Altrain especially and even the other running circles I'm with, a lot of them are a lot younger than me. Yeah. And it makes me feel younger than I am. Ah, I love that. <laughs> because I still, instead of having an old person's brain, yeah, I keep in touch with a younger person's activities. Yeah. Even if I can't keep up physically. Yeah. And all of them, especially the buddies and the old trainers, uh, are really, really good at accommodating me. And, you know, at old train, if they're doing laps of the park, if I know I can't keep up, I'll just do the little laps while they do the big laps. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. Or um, if they're doing five reps, I'll do two reps. Yeah. And And I'll just adjust the program and they're all accommodating and all really friendly and and the same with the buddies as well and um so I would tell people just do it yeah I would then say if you haven't done it before don't go and set yourself the goal of running a marathon be realistic Mm -hmm. um work up Mm -hmm. these people that are running marathons even if they've been fit they haven't done it overnight. 
That's right. It does take a little bit of commitment. It does. So build up gradually. If you can't run, first of all, just walk until you can walk okay. Mm. Mm -hmm. Then when you can walk okay, then run for a minute, walk for five, run for a minute, walk for five, etc. Mm -hmm. until you slowly build up. Mm. And at the same time, build up the distance. Yeah. And um, and then once you feel confident that, you know, you can do two or three K, then go and find yourself a group. Yeah, yeah. And the groups are so supportive that they'll look after newbies. Yeah. And there'll be somebody at your level that you can tag team with. Yeah. And, um, and you can talk about things running related, et cetera, and build a whole new network big community and hopefully that will keep you motivated and you'll keep going yeah so many people have actually said you know I started running for a reason a physical reason often um but I kept running because of the people the friends I, think, I made yeah I think that's very true mm. and and the difference between swimming is running you can talk to people <laughs> while you're doing it it's swimming really hard, isn't it? <laughs> you can't and that's why on you know those my weekends is Saturday morning. First thing is master swimming training, yeah. and then I don't get to park run very often because we have breakfast after swimming uh, on course. Saturday. Because that's when you're going to catch up between breakfast or park run, and normally breakfast wins. <laughs> and then by the time I've eaten breakfast, I'm too full to run. <laughs> well, that's, that sounds like a good compromise to me. <laughs> you can't talk to you swimming friends anyway while you're swimming so you have to wait till breakfast to do that so. right and so saturday mornings is the swimming catch-up time yeah i love that <laughs> that's really cool all right alan it has been amazing to hear more about you and your stories are awesome and inspiring i'm so glad that i chatted to you and thank you for sharing some of it with us um I will say goodbye to you off the call as well. But I just wanted to say a massive thank you for sharing a little bit of yourself with us. I really appreciate it. Well, okay, that's fine. It was a pleasure to talk to you. And I hope it helps other people um, get involved in the pathway because there is so much, so many benefits as well as the physical. Yeah, I'm and sure that it will. I'll say goodbye. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast. I'd love to talk to you about your running journey. So send me a message on Facebook or on the website and let's do it. For a bunch of resources on mindful running that will help you get and stay mentally and physically fit, head over to the website fitmindfitbody.co and I'll see you there. Plus, I'll be back here in your podcast player a few times a week. Hit subscribe now so that you don't miss an episode. And before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review. It'll help more people to find the podcast and get inspired to start running. I'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.